Hello and welcome to A Glimpse into the Future. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos and in this podcast series we explore with some of the world's leading experts how new ideas and technologies can help us shape our future. In this week's episode, I talk to Dr. Peter Maurer, President of the International Committee of the Red Cross and co-chair of the World Economic Forum's Council on the Future of the Humanitarian System. Peter, thank you very much for your time. I would like to start with a description from your side on how is the current state of play in the humanitarian system? Well, I think uh, maybe the first thing to do is to look a little bit at uh, the big challenges. What are the strategic challenges in the humanitarian system? And uh, what I think we have observed over the last couple of years is on the one side, which is has been broadly referred to and publicized is the increased frequency and impactfulness of uh, humanitarian disasters, natural disasters with humanitarian consequences. But what uh, was of particular preoccupation is also that the conflict dynamics, the numbers, the depth, the impactfulness, the specific dynamics of conflicts today Uh, lead to a situation where we have an increasing number of contexts and countries which are either fragile because of environmental disaster or fragile, hyper-fragile because of violence and conflict or because of both. And this is a situation which has confronted the humanitarian system increasingly over the last uh, couple of years. So we have an increase of needs of people, an increased number of people displaced, disrupted, of economies weakened by violence and conflict in particular, fragmentation of actors in conflict scenes which made conflicts more destructured and therefore more difficult to foresee also for victims, for civilian populations. And this new situation, the spiking of the needs, has hit the humanitarian system, which was not able to fully cope with those needs. And there is an increasing gap between the dynamics of violence and conflicts and natural disasters on the one side and the capacity to respond of the system. Now, what do we do then? What are the strategic lines of thinking for the humanitarian system? I think three sort of lines of thinking strike me as particularly interesting. One is that when you have a gap, you have to try to be more efficient, more effective, more innovative, and this ties into using new technologies in order to accelerate, scale, make what you have done in the past, humanitarian relief work, more targeted, more specific, more directed towards the beneficiaries, but it ties you into doing things better. The second thing is a whole engagement of trying to shrink the needs, trying to change behaviors of belligerence, trying in the 
climate and natural disaster area to uh, cope with the negative impact of emissions on the natural environment and in the conflict area it is about engaging with belligerents in order to respect basic laws and principles, humanitarian laws and principles. And then there is, I think, a third interesting avenue, which may be the most interesting and the most promising for private-public partnership, is to look at market-driven opportunities for disrupted, vulnerable people. I think you have to deliberately look to bring people back into self-reliance. And this is only working if we increase market-driven opportunities, if we can enhance job creations, if we can offer income and occupation to people. And here again, I think on all those three levels, humanitarian, traditional humanitarian actors are challenged. This is not a situation which they just easily find solution. They have to become more innovative, more effective, efficient. They have at the same time to engage in a sophisticated way to change behavior according to laws and principles. And they have to engage into a new area of private-public partnerships, of engaging with the private sector, with market forces, with politicians who drive and frame policies in order to create jobs, to create work, to create self-reliance and to bring people out of humanitarian dependencies. This is a great framework and overview. Thank you very much for setting it up for us. Uh, you mentioned new technologies. What are the technologies you see playing a role in the next 10 to 15 years? Uh, what would be an optimistic scenario in their use? And what could be some of the unintended consequences that they might have? I think the, the most important uh, technological shift is really the individual connectivity, which has now basically reached almost everybody. I think we still have to acknowledge and we know there are people who are out of the world of the connected. So we, we still will have to keep those on the radar screen who are outside. But then we also have to recognize that hyper-connectivity is now the, the sort of technological change which changes the way humanitarian assistance is run. Because the potential victim of either a conflict of a natural disaster is much more individually connected, can much more assertively say himself what his needs are and can be connected to those who can potentially help. So we have an individualized connectivity while for 150 years humanitarian work has basically been the work of intermediaries like humanitarian organization taking money from donors and transforming it into humanitarian services for people. Connectivity changes the ball game and puts the beneficiaries at the center and are connecting today 
to those who can potentially help, can articulate what their needs are, can much more precisely say where help is is needed and can find new opportunities for for help. And I think that is a transformative connectivity is transforming the way humanitarian work is done. It will change then change the, the way we analyze humanitarian problems. That's the whole issue of data analytics, of big data, of reading the landscape, knowing where the biggest needs are. It ties into digital identity. Uh, how can we use modern technology to give to beneficiaries identities so that they can tie into the potential assistance and and relief uh, themselves. So there is a lot of potential uh, connected to new technologies and to the individual connectivity. So where do we stand right now in critical issues and questions around data collection, data quality, privacy? Where are those discussions in the humanitarian world right now? And what's your hope for the next 10 years or so? I think what we see today is a recognition that these are critical issues, but we still lack the the standards, the frameworks, the legal frameworks, the policy frameworks to move into that new area. What what I think all of us in the humanitarian system have done is tackle around some of those issues in pilot projects, in in first cooperations between the private sector and humanitarian organizations. We have multiplied small experiences. We have tested some of those issues, new forms of money transfers, new forms of cash credits on telephones, new new data analytics, but this has been we are far away from a system. I think the next 10 years, I I would suppose we will go through another phase of trying out and experiencing and fiddling around with these new technologies and trying to see what works, what does not work. And at the same time, I think this process will have to be and will be accompanied by questions, as you mentioned before, of standards for data collection, data quality standards. Uh, it will raise the whole issue of of the privacy uh, of data, who has access, of data security. But I think while these are recognized challenges, we are far away from having the political will, the ability, the standards and the knowledge to fully create a system. But I think that, I, I suppose the next 10 years will see the emergence of this consensus. In terms of the birth of this new system you're mentioning, uh, where do your hopes lie? Is it a major international organization that is going to take this on? Is it the free market that can take this on? Is it some type of international collaboration? Well, I can only imagine it as with two main characteristics. I think 
it will be not a unified hierarchical central central system. It will more be an ecosystem because, as I mentioned at the beginning, we live in a fragmented, fractured world with very different realities after all. And I think this system will have to take into account that realities in different parts of the world, needs, needs of people, cultures, views are different and it will it will be a system but it it can't be a fully harmonized hierarchical unified system i i envisage more an eco a humanitarian ecosystem with uh, with different variations so i think uh, that's that's one thing uh, which which i I, I would hope for. And then the second is really that this brings us to a sea shift of humanitarianism which not only says that it puts people first and at the center, but really is able to do it. My big hope would be that after all we find uh, standards uh, which will be sufficiently precise to still offer uh, a humanitarian system uh, able to respond to needs and and I can only imagine this new system as a multi-stakeholder system. We will not have a humanitarian system with humanitarians. And we will we will unfortunately probably live for quite some time with the reality of conflict going on of the environment degrading further and we will not lack problems but we may increase our capacity to respond and have a response which is smarter more agile more flexible and happen in an ecosystem to which many stakeholders will participate this is very interesting because it also brings us to another of the core principles you outlined in the beginning the integration of new actors in the humanitarian space uh, as a head of one of the main organizations dealing with these issues, where do you see the incentive for the private sector to get involved? And if it is profit, are there any ethical considerations in your mind about profit-making in the humanitarian response world? Well, I, I do believe that there are different shapes and formats that the private sector, private-public cooperation, private humanitarian cooperation, humanitarian organizations cooperation will unfold in the future. And, and what I see today is that within the private sector, there is a bandwidth of uh, positions, activities, interests articulated around humanitarian problem, which goes from modernized philanthropy to market-driven profit-oriented solutions. And I think we, we should not believe that it is either the one or the other. For the time being, I think we have to rely on the fact that there are still modern philanthropists who offer startup money to test innovative ways to cope with the new environment in which we are. I, I think if I look, for instance, at my organization, never would we be able today to 
find humanitarian solutions which are market-driven and profitable for the private sector. I think it's an illusion to think that all the problems can be addressed by this kind of response. What I would hope is that we will continue to have public policy acknowledging that there are things which have to be taken over by public money and by public concerns, and that states and public communities still offer generously humanitarian assistance. So what I can envisage is really a multiplicity of activities. Uh, the whole challenge will be what will be the dominant feature in such a system? What will be the model which over time proves to be the most effective and efficient in addressing the issues? And I think we are far away from knowing it. We still need more experiences, more testing of some of those models in order to see what does really work. We have seen over the last couple of weeks, and uh, as you know, I, 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 with uh, the Belgian Development Minister, I, I have launched at the, at the WEF in Davos this idea of a humanitarian impact bond. And this is a typically uh, an instrument which has much is much more closer to profit making than anything that a humanitarian organization has done before. But it's not yet full profit-making. But even a step forward into a humanitarian approach which is linked to return on investment and to innovation and to performance is an interesting model of humanitarian assistance. It will not be the only one in the future. So I believe that the whole challenge for a future humanitarian system is what will be the best mix in substitution when substitution is necessary and people can't help themselves. So they have to be helped in a very traditional way to helping them to get out of their dependency. And, and I think there is a huge bandwidth and, uh, of, uh, and the panoply of of models that we have still to develop, to scale, to experience. So the first two core principles that we addressed were more on the response side, while the last one is in the prevention side. How do we change the behavior of actors that cause humanitarian crisis at the first place? Are there any reasons to be optimistic at all for the near future? Well, I think this is the most difficult issue, in fact, because my, my experience in dealing with humanitarian response and, and private-public partnerships over the last couple of years is that uh, on the assistance side, we will manage somehow to charter our way forward. The change of behavior needs different skills. And, and I think we are not even really at the beginning of private-public partnership engaging for change of behavior. The change of behavior has already, if you, if you look back over the last 20 years, has been the big difficult issue when dealing with climate change. The analogy is an interesting one, not because 
On climate change, we have advanced in capping emissions, in trading emissions, in, in, in bringing market-driven instruments to the problem of CO2 emission. But it's comparable to the assistant part of the work in humanitarian work today. But changing patterns of consumptions and production is much more difficult in the climate change file and will be more difficult in the humanitarian field. It means engaging person to person. It means engaging with people, engaging with the effects of policies, behaviors. And, and I think this is much more work with and in societies. It, it's a different type of work, but I wanted to mention it because I think it's the always forgotten part when we discuss the humanitarian challenges today. We discuss how to scale, how to innovate, how to digitalize, how, how to embrace new technologies. We need to look at the business community's experience. How do they read markets, beneficiaries, clients? Uh, what changes perceptions, behaviors? It's, it's like understanding the software of society. And I think it is important to mention this here, that the challenge that we are facing in the humanitarian system today are not just problems of technically finding innovative, new, effective solutions to problems. It's also understanding the society, the dynamics, and finding ways of bringing conscience back to people and actors, that if they continue to behave in the way they behave, the result will be disastrous. And because of the recognition of the disaster, you start to change behavior and patterns of behavior. And I think we are pretty optimistic at the ICRC. We see a lot of positive results of our dialogues with armed actors, with governments. They don't want to see most of them, their people killed by conflict or natural disasters. So there is a, an increasing willingness to open up to those discussions, but these discussions are much more delicate than any more technical, innovative solution to assistances. Well, I know that the Global Future Council that you're chairing has brought together a multi-stakeholder community to look for innovative solutions to these very complex issues. And we all hope that you're successful in your efforts. Well, thanks, uh, thanks a lot uh, for, your, uh, for your interest. And uh, indeed, you mentioned the council. Uh, we are committed to, to see how we can use the magic of connectivity to reshape the humanitarian system, but uh, as I mentioned before, also uh, to look at more market-driven uh, solutions and to look at the change of behaviors. Uh, all is on our agenda indeed. That was Dr. Peter Maurer, President of the International Committee of the Red Cross. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos, and that was all from this week's episode of A Glimpse into the Future. <laughs>